We continue our reading of the Sri Chaitanya Charamrita. So, in the uh, special portal that we've created for questions and answers, which is available on a link, you can enter your questions. There's also um, a, it's a drop-down file for questions. Then you can also put in reflections. And there's also power phrases. So if you hear anything in the discussion in Prophet's purport, a power phrase is like a sutra, where you say, oh, that's a, a good phrase, like one sentence or a few words that are just so uh, well composed that they seem like they should be isolated so they can be used again and again. And you can put that in too. We're collecting them all. Everything that you put into this, not to frighten you or anything, is being <laughs> saved and collected. Uh, we have a, a special database where all of the power phrases go, where all the questions go, and the questions will be uh, considered more deeply. We're giving rather brief answers sometimes, and we'll go back and we're categorizing all the questions. Some of them are frequently asked questions, so we'll consolidate those and give more expansive answers to your questions so that you can go back and read all the information about the questions. So in the ongoing hearing and chanting sessions that we're having, everybody is... Um, Encourage, we, we encourage every, I encourage everyone to participate, be part of it, try to find, uh, you know, the power phrases, try to reflect on things that will help uh, give some more perspective to the conversation and so forth. And also, uh, be active. Uh, if you wish. And if that doesn't help you in hearing and chanting, then, then you don't have to do it. But I'm just, it's an invitation as a group exercise. And there's your link to it, ISV Library, the place where everything's going to be stored. And that includes anyone who uh, speaks at ISV from now on uh, will be, uh, obviously we're already recording, but those things will be transcribed and then you can go back and search the library for any kinds of content that you want to look for in the future. Thank you. And now to the Sri Chaitanya Charamrita, we're taking up where we left off on the second chapter of Adi Lila. And this is text number 20. And it's a verse from Bhagavad Gita. Atava bahunaitena kimgyatena tavarjuna vishtabhyaham idam kritsnam ikam shena stato jagat. The personality guided Sri Krishna said, What more shall I say to you? I live throughout this cosmic manifestation nearly by a single plenary portion. A single plenary portion. So a plenary 
is an adjective. As an adjective, it means unqualified absolute. It also means of a meeting, to be attended by all participants at a conference or assembly. It's a noun, as a noun, a meeting or session attended by all participants. From late Middle English, from Latin, plenarius, complete, from plenus, full. Describing his own potency, potencies to Arjuna, the personality of God at Sri Krishna spoke this verse of the Bhagavad Gita 4.2. Let's uh, just follow that link. Purport, the Supreme Lord is represented throughout the entire material universes by his entering into all things as the super soul. The Lord here tells Arjuna that there is no point in understanding how things exist in their separate opulence and grandeur. He should know that all things are existing due to Krishna's entering them as super soul. From Brahma, the most gigantic entity on down to the smallest ant, all are existing because the Lord has entered each and all and is sustaining them. There is a mission that regularly propounds that worship of any demigod will lead one to the Supreme Personality of Godhead or the Supreme Goal. But worship of demigods is thoroughly discouraged herein because even the greatest demigods like Lord Brahma and Shiva represent only part of the opulence of the Supreme Lord. He is the origin of everyone born and no one is greater than him. He is Asvamardva, which means that no one is superior to him and that no one is equal to him. In the Padma Purana, it is said that one who considers the Supreme Lord Krishna in the same category with demigods, be they even Brahma or Shiva, becomes at once an atheist. If, however, one thoroughly studies the different descriptions of the opulences and expansions of Krishna's energy, then one can understand without any doubt the position of Lord Krishna and can fix his mind in the worship of Krishna without deviation. That's an important sentence. I'll read it again. In the Padma Purana, it is said that one who considers the Supreme Lord, Krishna, to be in the same category with demigods, be they even Lord, even Brahma or Shiva, becomes at once an atheist. That's why yastu narayanam devam, Brahma rudradidayatai. If, however, one thoroughly studies the different descriptions of the opulences and expansions of Krishna's energy. Then one can understand without any doubt the position of Lord Krishna and can fix his mind in the worship of Krishna without deviation. So it's important to uh, know the energies of the Lord and to be able to appreciate his presence everywhere. For instance, there are vibhutis that Krishna mentions in the 10th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita where he tells Arjuna and all of us that in looking out throughout the material creation, we'll, we'll notice various entities that represent him. For instance, of bodies, bodies of water, I am the ocean. When I drive from my home over to Half Moon Bay, I go down the 101 freeway and catch the 280 to the 380, and then I go back up over Skyline Drive. And once I get to the top of the drive, which is a, a steady climb, 
I come down and I see the ocean and I always have an overwhelming feeling of uh, peace and it uh, an awe because the ocean is inexorable. It's also mentioned in many examples that Krishna gives, for instance, in the Bhagavad Gita, the second to the last verse in the second chapter in which he says, here he's saying that the ocean is always steady and similarly somebody fixed in spiritual life is always steady and if we're we've heard this from the Bhagavad Gita and we remember the various analogies and we see the ocean as Krishna then will be inspired and will remember this is a spark of Krishna's splendor. Once in Hawaii, the devotees would go to the beach sometimes and then swim and come home and do their services. And one of the devotees, Sudama, said to Prabhupada that, I think we're in Maya at the beach, Prabhupada. And Prabhupada said that Krishna is the, the light of the sun. He's also the ocean. He said, how can you be in Maya? And from this, we can understand the perspective. We can be in, in the material world and not seeing Krishna. We're separated from him because of our lack of vision due to lack of cultivating spiritual knowledge. And therefore, we're absorbed in the material energy. If one sees anything as separate from Krishna, that is known to be maya or the illusory energy. So it's from our perspective that we see maya. The same material energy which is seen in relationship with, to Krishna is, as Prabodhananda Saraswati Thakur says, the abode of joy because he's appreciating Krishna within everything. And not only that, he's seeing it as the place where he can do service. So this is the change in perspective. And continuing in the purport. If, however, one thoroughly studies the different descriptions of the opulences and expansions of Krishna's energy, then one can understand without any doubt the position of Lord Sri Krishna and can fix his mind in the worship of Krishna without deviation. The Lord is all-pervading by the expansion of his partial representation in the Supersoul, who enters into everything that is. Pure devotees therefore concentrate their minds in Krishna consciousness in full devotional service. Therefore, they are always situated in the transcendental position. Devotional service and worship of Krishna are very clearly indicated in this chapter in verses 8 through 11. That is the way of pure devotional service. How one can attain the highest devotional perfection of association with the Supreme Personality of God, it has been thoroughly explained in this chapter. Srila Baladev Vidyabhushana, a great acharya in the disciplic succession from Krishna, concludes his commentary on this chapter saying, Yachchakti Leshat Suryadya 
From Lord Krishna's potent energy, even the powerful sun gets its power. And by Krishna's partial expansion, the whole world is manifested. Therefore, Lord Krishna is worshipable. And back to the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Tam imam aham ajam shariram bhajam hridi hridi dishtitam apakalpitanam pratidrisham eva naikadharakam ekam samadhi gatosmi moha. Grandfather Bhishma said, as the one sun appears differently situated to different seers, so also do you, the unborn, appear differently represented as the Paramatma in every living being. But when a seer knows himself to be one of your own servitors, no longer does he maintain such duality. Thus, I am now able to comprehend your eternal forms, knowing well the Paramatma to be only your plenary portion. Purport. This verse from Srimad Bhagavatam 1942 was spoken by Bhishma Dev, the grandfather of the Kurus, when he was lying on a bed of arrows at the last stage of his life. Arjuna, Krishna, and numberless friends, admirers, relatives, and sages had gathered on the scene as Maharaj Yudhishthir took moral and religious instructions from the dying Bhishma. Just as the final moment arrived for him, Bhishma spoke this verse while looking at Lord Krishna. Just as the one sun is the object of vision of many different persons, so the one partial representation of Lord Krishna, who lives in the heart of every living entity as the Paramatma, is a variously perceived object. One who comes intimately in touch with Lord Krishna by engaging in his eternal service sees the super soul as the localized partial representation of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. I'll read that again. One who comes intimately in touch with Lord Krishna by engaging in his eternal service sees the super soul as the localized partial representation of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. This is very nice because the point is each one of us are eternally related to, to Krishna. So nitya nitya sambandha prakritischa paraigasa. We all have that eternal connection in a loving relationship with Krishna. It's extremely intimate. It's the most intimate thing. And it's, uh, it's the only satisfying feature of our existence at all. The demigods praying to Lord Krishna within the womb say, unless we have this sense of relationship with Krishna and enter into it, then whatever any other kind of achievement we make in our life is not satisfying at all. And we'll fall down from that. It won't sustain us. So we should try for this intimacy. And how is it achieved? It's mentioned in the sentence itself. One who comes intimately in touch with Lord Krishna 
by engaging in its eternal service. So this is the power of devotional service that anyone, even from the beginning position, can start to serve him through the nine processes of devotional service. This is a, there's a way in which if you consider ahead of time, what is the direct means to uh, serve Krishna? And then you understand through Shastra, it's the nine process of devotional service. And with that intention, you go into the Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Smaranam, Parasevanam, Archanam, Vandanam, Dastanam, Sakam, Atmanivedanam. Then this is the best thing. Uh, intimate. intimate means closely acquainted, familiar, close, as, as in intimate friends. They were on intimate terms. It means of a place or setting, having or creating an informal, friendly atmosphere. That's Vrindavan. Involving very close connection. That's devotional service. Detailed and thorough. Devotees who serve Krishna, they get detailed and thorough knowledge of his personality. The things he wears, the things he likes, the friends that he has. Uh, and um, then the second definition is private and personal. We have a private and personal connection with Krishna. Uh, noun, a very close friend. Krishna, again, Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, I'm your best friend. So we have a very close friend, and that's Krishna. He's the Sufrit. It comes from early 17th century as a noun, from late Latin, intim intimatus, past participle of Latin, intimati, impress, make familiar, from intimus, inmost. Uh, so intimate, it's pronounced differently, imply or hint, state or make known, imply or hint, parokshavad, parokshavad. So we all have intimate relationship with Krishna and it's achieved by this process of devotional service. I just want to look at the verse, uh, Shravanam Kirtanam Vishnu, Please. Iti pumsar pita vishnu bhaktis chennavalakshana kreta bhagavat gita. Seven canto, of course. Hare Krishna Prabhu. Yes. Uh, can we just look at this verse really quick? One second. Uh, yes, seventh canto. Verse number. Okay. Uh, 7, 5, 23 through 24. It is a very important verse. 7, 5, 23 through 24. Here, Sri Prarada Vacha. Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Smaranam, Paratsevanam, Archanam, Vandanam, Dasya. Sakyam Atmanivedanam. So this lists the nine direct processes of devotional service. And then Prahlad Maharaj says, Iti, thus, Pumsa Arpita, offered by the devotee, Vishnu, unto Lord Vishnu, not to anyone else. 
bhakti devotional service. Check if Navalakshana possessing nine different processes. Krita, one should perform. Bhagavati, unto the Supreme Personality of God, Ada, directly or completely. Tut, that, manye, I consider, ditam, learning, utamam, tatmos. The translation of this verse is hearing and chanting about the transcendental holy name, form, qualities, paraphernalia, and pastimes of Lord Vishnu, remembering them, serving the lotus feet of the Lord, offering the Lord respectful worship with 16 types of paraphernalia, offering prayers to the Lord, becoming his servant, considering the Lord one's best friend, and surrendering everything unto him. In other words, serving him with the body, mind, and words. These nine processes are accepted as pure devotional service, one who has dedicated his life to the service of Krishna through these nine methods should be understood to be the most learned person, for he has acquired complete knowledge. Yeah, so one should um, dedicate oneself to Krishna directly by these processes. And furthermore, in the 11th canto, we find that if one takes to the direct method of worshiping the Lord, if you look at eleven two twelve, please. then all misgivings and anartas will be eradicated. This verse says, Shruta nu patito jata adrito vanumodita sadhipunati sadharmo deva vishva druho pihi. Pure devotional service rendered to the Supreme Lord is spiritually so potent that simply by hearing about such transcendental service, by chanting its glories in response, by meditating on it, by respectfully and faithfully accepting it, or by praising the devotional service of others, even persons who hate the demigods and other living beings can be immediately purified. You like it? What's not to like? Okay, purport. Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur has commented that the word Sadharma refers to Bhagavata Dharma. That is also confirmed by Sridhar Swami. Bhagavata Dharma is spiritually so powerful that even those who by worldly standards are implicated in various ways in sinful behavior can easily be purified by adopting any of the processes mentioned in this verse. In the practice of ordinary piety, one worships God with the expectation of receiving something in return for one's service. Similarly, the impersonalist aspires for his own liberation, wishfully thinking that he will become equal to God. In Bhagavata Dharma, however, there is no such impurity. Bhagavata Dharma is devotional service to the Lord in which the only objective is the satisfaction of the Lord. If one rejects this process and instead wants to hear about, teach, or meditate upon other processes, 
the chance for immediate purification is lost. Neither ordinary materialistic yoga processes meant for achieving mystic powers nor impersonal processes based on speculation have the power to purify immediately those who have fallen into sinful behavior. Sadharma or Bhagavata Dharma, pure devotional service to the Supreme Personality of God, it is unique in that even the most fallen souls can immediately rise to the highest perfectional stage by surrendering at the lotus feet of Krishna or as pure devotee. This was vividly demonstrated by the preaching work of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, especially in the case of the sinful brothers Jagai and Madhavi. The direct process of devotional service. Iti pumsarti pita vishna bhaktis chenna valakshana krita bhagavatyada back to the verse tanmanye ditanutamam so tanmanye means ta, that money I consider Prahlad Maharaj is saying Aditam, learning Uttamam. This is the topmost. And this is, of course, in response to his father's question, what's the best thing you learned so far? And he answers like this, saying, this, these direct processes of devotional service are the best. So we can go back to the wherever we were, Chaitanya Charnamita. Can you point me to where we are? Here only. Just as the one sun is the object of vision of many different persons, so the one partial representation of Lord Krishna who lives in the heart of every living entity as the Paramatma is a variously perceived object. One who comes intimately in touch with the Lord by engaging in his eternal service sees the super soul as the localized partial representation of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Bhishma knew the Supersoul to be a partial expansion of Lord Krishna, whom he understood to be the Supreme Unborn Transcendental Force. Um, we have a couple of points that have come in. One's a reflection from Sri Madhava Mahotsava. Uh, with reference to Krishna expanded into many as Paramatma, I'm reminded of Srila Prabhupada's example that the sun is situated in one place, but if you ask anyone with within 5,000 miles, they'll all say the sun is shining on my head. Yes, Prophet brought that up about uh, his son. He said his son kept commenting wherever they went. It's the sun is following us. Max Gray, Hare Krishna, Bhakta Max. I thought that devotional service did not begin until Diksha, as stated in Madhya Leela 15108. So do... Do no services actually serve Krishna until Diksha or not? No, does all services to Krishna count? And um, <clears throat> initiation is a process. It's not an event. It starts with um, the uh, process of uh, purifying oneself, readying oneself to take the vow, taking the vow. Then there's uh, stages of uh, development from accepting the the name of Krishna from a Vaishnav and then taking second initiation which is mantra diksha and then and then go, entering into deity worship and so forth 
So it always counts. But when one wants to solemnize the relationship with Krishna, then as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu mentions, Dikshakali Bhaktakari Atma Samarpan, Shekali Dikshakari Bhakta Atma Sam. That when one decides to take Diksha, although one's practice of devotional service always counts, even if one incidentally says Hare Krishna, that counts. Then Krishna says, it's an act of surrender, Atma Samarpana, entering into Diksha. And at that time, he said, I accept the living entity to be as good as myself. And then uh, Max says, the background for my question is I was speaking to a devotee and I said, I feel like I'll never even be eligible to receive Diksha. And he pointed me to Madhya 15108 and said, service doesn't even begin till Diksha. That's a, um, we can serve Krishna at any, at any stage. In the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, Yet karoshi yet ashnashi as johosi dadasi yet, yet tapasyasi konteya tatkurushvamararpanam. This, according to our acharyas, is a, a verse meant for anyone who's even though ensconced in material life can begin by doing service by offering whatever he or she is doing to Krishna. And Krishna also says in Gita, Neha bikramanashosti that even the smallest endeavor to serve Krishna is accepted by him. So then it's just a matter of the quality of service that we perform to Krishna. And if one enters into the system of accepting a Vaishnav, the shelter of a Vaishnav, and there are Shiksha gurus, there, there's a Diksha guru also who gives the mantra, and if you accept that with a vow, then you come even closer to Krishna and your service becomes more refined. And this is the impetus that those who are advancing on the spiritual path feel. For instance, Adao Shraddha Tata Sarasangata Bhajana Kriya, as is said by Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, in the beginning, there's an awakening of faith. And that is a sense that devotional service is very attractive and it's very good and I'd like to do it. And from that, one wants to associate with devotees. One finds the association of devotees appealing in all ways and tries for that, that sadhu sangha. And then from that sadhu sangha, it's natural that one will then become refined in one's practice and want to take up some vow. And this is Bhajana Kriya, entering into the process of taking shelter of Vaishnav and then uh, taking the initiation vows. And then, of course, one goes through a Narta Nivrti and then comes to the point of Nishta, then Ruchi, then Asakti, then Bhava, and then Prema. So there's a step-by-step process in devotional service. Then we have uh, a power phrase from Mayank, <laughs> who knows what a power phrase is. Rise to the highest professional stage by surrendering at the lotus feet of Krishna. Nice. Sri Madhava Mahotsava, another reflection. In reference to ordinary piety, where one expects something in return for worship, I'm reminded of when I drove by a prosperity church and their website on the sign was www.staxok. 
ca stacks of cash dot com. <laughs> uh, Tinkerbell asks a quick question. You advise that devotees see the situation as a way to do service as opposed to being Maya, separate from Krishna. How do we reconcile bathing at beach as service? Is it like self-care? Well, you got to take a bath, right? You can take a bath in the ocean. Swimming in the ocean, by the way, is an auspicious activity because all the holy rivers enter into the oceans. And therefore, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his associates would regularly bathe in the ocean. So if you go to the ocean and you understand this is Krishna, and you also think all the holy rivers have entered in here, and you take bath in that mentality, then it's purifying because you're remembering Krishna. If you go there and think, Yahoo, uh, I look so good in a bathing suit, and um, you know, you're thinking of other things, then you're in Maya. So the difference is in consciousness only. Amit Prabhu says, even though we know that Krishna is seated in everyone's heart, and we should not disrespect anyone for that matter. Why is this still so difficult? And how can we take steps to get better in this process of not offending and disrespecting anyone? It's difficult because the gunas or the lower the modes of nature are binding and they take some time to cleanse from our consciousness and and the the, the solution is to chant Hare Krishna. Uh without any offense. And if we do that, then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says, Cheto Darpana Marjanam, that the, the modes of nature that are obscuring our vision of ourself and of Krishna and of seeing others as being parts of Krishna will become purified. So you have to chant Hare Krishna a lot and for a long time, very seriously. And you'll come to this vision of Vidyavanaya Sampani Brahmani Gavi Hastani Shunichaiva Shapakecha Pandita Samadarshina. Okay. Maharaj, um, yes. in the, in the um, uh, Srimad Bhagavatam 11 to 12 verse that you had quoted, and you had explained that it's pure devotional service that you were covering, um, I wanted to ask uh, if the point covers appreciating the service done by others, praising the devotional service of others. So when it, it actually encompasses everything that you've been telling us for so many years, not to offend Vaishnavs, you know, that what you appreciate, appreciates and, and stuff like that. And I really like that this verse brings everything together. The, it's a good verse, right? Yeah, it's very good. It's a flat out winner. It's a keeper. And, <laughs> and um, I wanted to ask you, so this talks about pure devotional service. And, and again, it explains devotional service that anybody does. Appreciate it and respect it and, and talk about it and, and you will grow from it. But um, how do you recognize pure devotional service versus devotional service of someone who is still in training? Is there a real difference when in appreciating it? Well, Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur says, if someone's practicing mixed devotional service, you have to see that it's pure devotional service mixed with something else. So there must be some pure devotional service there. And in the way of appreciation, those who are more uh, civilized and refined and highly advanced in devotional life tend to be able to find that more than those who are in lower consciousness. In fact, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur gives a, the gradations of, 
um, appreciating capacity or the lack thereof according to one's advancement. And he says that those who are uncultured, when they see a good quality in somebody else, they think then that it won't last. For instance, if they see somebody giving charity, you might say, oh, that's a good thing. But actually, he'll get puffed up because he'll get famous for this. And then later on, uh, he won't actually um, be very humble and he'll corrupt him. So actually, it's not good. So he discounts it. And then the then another person um, will they'll see that there's um, good qualities and bad qualities in somebody. And then they, they just prefer to see the bad quality and they only pr point that out. And the worst of them is somebody, there's, um, there's no faults in somebody, but somehow or other that person is able to find a fault. So he describes these three gradations. And in, in those who are advanced, the sadhus, so if there is a, uh, a person mixed and they have good qualities and bad qualities. The sadhu is the one, he actually goes digging and he finds the good quality. Uh, for instance, uh, he gives this as an example that, let's just say the householder, uh, he gets robbed, of, uh, not burgled, but robbed. Somebody comes in the house with a gun and says, give me all your stuff. And so he hands over the stuff and then this person uh, he has a, a tendency to find the good in others and think, well, actually, you had a gun. He could have killed me, but he didn't. And probably, you know, he was really hungry, so he needed the money. <laughs> so, you know, he's actually a good person. You know, he didn't kill us. And then he talks about the next level above that where, you know, the, the person is um, able to always uh, see the good side and, and not the bad, even though the person has uh, good and bad qualities. And the highest level of the sadhus, the sadhutama, is somebody where there's somebody that apparently has no good qualities at all. Nobody can find him, but somehow or other, he finds it. <laughs> he finds a good quality where there are none. And so there's these two ways of looking at the world, Vishenath Chakravarti talk, where it says, the... Uh, the ways of finding the good in others can be practiced. Of course, we're not Pollyanna. The Shastra says that if somebody is violating the devotional principles, for instance, uh, in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, Rupa Goswami includes the verse, Shruti Smriti Paranadi Panchat Chiki Vidimbina Aikantiki Harer Bhaktiru Pattayayeva Kalpate, that if somebody is Practicing devotional service, neglecting the Shruti, Smriti, Panchratrik, Vidi. It's a disturbance to society. Therefore, if someone points out that uh, somebody is uh, not strictly following the Shastra, that's not finding fault. It's discriminating about what's actually correct and not. Srivas Pandit Prabhu, did you have a comment? No, Prabhuji. So sorry. I just temporarily unmuted it. Well, that's good for all the whole world when you temporarily unmute anything. Oh, Hare Krishna. Um, speaking of sadhutamas, then we have, um, oh, Bhakti Alex, please go ahead. Hare Krishna, Guru Maharaj. Hare Krishna. Hare Hare. I really liked uh, when you looked up the definition of intimate and our, how our relationship with Krishna is intimate. And one of the things it said was that it's, it's private and personal. 
And so it's nice because we're used to uh, worshiping Krishna and talking about Krishna with devotees, which is very nice, obviously, but it's also really nice to think about how there's a very almost secret, like personal bond that you, that you and Krishna share and how like the ultimate manifestation of that is parakya ras, which I don't know much about, but just the idea that it's something so secretive, but also so deep and, and like so uh, substantial. But at the same time, it's like only a few people really know about it, like intimate associates. So I, I thought that was really sweet and special and um, inspiring, you know, to cultivate that. Sure. Yeah, uh, Briyat Bhagavatamrita mentions that one may begin to feel Krishna's presence in one's chanting and one's practice of devotional service, and one may get intimate realizations from him. And these types of realizations are not meant to be shared uh, freely because they can be uh, misunderstood. And in fact, uh, the author says, for such uh, revelations, one shouldn't, he says, such re uh, intimate revelations should not be revealed even to one's own mind. So there's this uh, uh, way in which the devotee covets the these uh, realizations and careful about them of course if there's if you have intimate um, connection with some vaishnavs at the right time and place it could be shared but even if you know the story that um pundarik vidyaniti when he had um criticized the pujaris in jagannath puri and on odana shasti the time in which the Lord gets new cloth. And he saw when he went for darshan, did Pumirik Vinidhi, that the Pujaris had given him, given uh, unwashed starched cloth, brand new, but it was starched. I mean, it was like fresh off the presses. And he became indignant and he thought, what are these Pujaris doing? They don't know what they're doing. They're offering the Lord such things. And that night when he was sleeping, Krishna and Balaram came to him in a dream and they said, how dare you criticize our pujaris? And they began slapping his face again and again. And when he woke up, his cheeks were swollen. So he didn't go out and advertise it, but his cheeks were swollen and the, and the devotees who were intimates of him could understand what had happened and they appreciated his intimate relationship with Krishna. So uh, there is... Uh, a way in which uh, one shares with uh, the intimate circle of devotees certain things at the right time and place, circumstance, and or there's a way in which devotees can understand through the practice of another uh, that he or she is intimately in connection with Krishna through service. That's really nice. Thank you, Kumarish. Yes, thank you very much. I like this other point about intimate. Um, if you intimate something, it's something that uh, you're saying indirectly, but only those who are intimate with the situation and know the inside can understand. So this is also when you're, uh, for instance, you know, we saw with, uh, if you're familiar with the cult, 
architecture as an example then um just say a, a guru disciple relationship and then and let's say the disciple knows the intimate desires of the guru and then if the guru is sitting there and then sort of nods his head in a certain direction then the you'll see the disciple jumps up and goes and gets a glass of water because he knows my guru always takes water at this time so that's what he meant and he knows <laughs> that's what it is he intimated that that's what i want so that uh those who are uh, serving vaishnavs they become intimate and part of that intimacy through service is knowing what is the desire Shri Chaitanya Mano Bhishtam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam Dadati Swapadantikam Rupa Goswami was intimate with Shri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu because he knew his desire. Mano Bhishtam. He knew what is the innermost desire of Shri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and therefore he knew how to serve him. There's a way in which during the Rathayatra ceremony, uh, Rupa Goswami heard Jaitanya Mahaprabhu was singing a song. It was a popular song of the time, like uh, something you would hear on the radio. I want to hold your hand. You know, and there's a, there's a way Rupa Goswami heard that and he could understand why Mahaprabhu was singing that song. Mahaprabhu was singing the song as he was feeling separation in the mood of Radharani with Krishna. So then later, Rupa Goswami wrote a poem uh, that uh, was exactly parallel to that verse and then he put it on the thatched roof of his little hut and and he went to take bath in the sea and then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu coming back at a different time found that in the roof of, of Rupa Goswami's hut and he pulled it out and read it and when he met with Rupa Goswami he's he lightly slapped him and he said, how did you know my heart? How did you know that that's what I was thinking? As the devotee comes to know Krishna's heart and that's the, the thickening process of devotional service. As mentioned, jnani prayasam urapasya namanta eva jivanti san mukharitam bhavadiyavartam stane stita shrutikatam tanuvan manobiriye prayaso jitta jito pyasi taistrilokyam if a devotee gives up trying to speculate about Krishna and becomes submissive in hearing uh, Bhagavat from the Bhagavatas and from the Bhagavatam, then gradually Jitta Jito, he's able to conquer Krishna, becomes an intimate associate. And only those who are intimate in friendship and in love can conquer another. And um, you'll see that with somebody who's... Uh, has a loving friendship with somebody, then that friend really has a way of, of being um, a controller. Or even a disciple who is so dedicated to service to a spiritual master, and the spiritual master feels indebted and wants to pour out uh, his or her heart to the, to the person who's, the, who's a servitor. So devotional service is a matter of int intimacy how to become more closely acquainted, more familiar, uh, to know the inmost, innermost desires of the heart of the Guru and of Krishna. And that's intimate devotional service. Otherwise, the other kinds of service to God are not so intimate. 
they they don't bring us to that point. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu talked about this with Vyankatabhata. In his stopover in South India, he stayed with Vyankatabhata and they discussed the intimacy of devotional service. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's point, which he made by quoting a verse from Bhagavatam, Nayam Sukapu Bhagavan Dehinam Gopika Sutaha that only by intimate devotional service can one uh, come to uh, know Krishna completely. Otherwise, if one is a jnani or a yogi, what to speak of a karmi, <laughs> one can't know Krishna because the approach is wrong. One's attitude is wrong. But through bhakti, uh, and that means following in the footsteps of those who are already intimate with Krishna, then one in that same mood then can also become an intimate servitor of the Lord and know his inner heart and so forth. That's a true happiness in life to know these, to, to have such a relationship with a Vaishnav and, um, and then subsequently with Krishna. Because the Vaishnavas carry Krishna within the heart. If you have, if you're associating with someone who ha is having intimate realizations, um, and the, which are displayed according to Madhvacharya by the steadiness of the Vaishnav and by the merciful vibration that's coming from from such a person, then you'll also become intimate by becoming intimate with that person, serving the servant, become a servant of the servant. Let's see if there's anything else. I'm going back to the the live questions, just in case anything else came in. And it did. Ramesh? Yes? I was reminded when you were saying that when the Beta Kirtan pastimes, when Chaitanya, when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's associates are entering Jagannath Puri, and King Prataparuja instructs that you should serve them all according to their indications. And basically their needs without them being verbalized. Yeah. And that's intimate service. You, you see by their intimations that the, what, what kind of service to render. And that's very sweet. That's the most sweet. Yes, thank you for remembering that. It's so much uh, about intimacy in that pastime, the Beta Kirtan pastimes. And we see also how Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, following the external etiquette of a sannyasi, didn't want to meet with uh, King Prataparudra. Uh, then a Sarvabhumba Bhattacharya, who talked to Prataparudra Maharaj, understood his heart, that he's very surrendered to Mahaprabhu. In fact, he doesn't even want to be king anymore if he can't have his darshan. And so Sarvabhoma came to Mahaprabhu and he told him this and Mahaprabhu said, I won't stay here anymore if you keep insisting on these things. This is going to be the, the end of my uh, uh, sannyas uh, meeting with a king. It's not possible. And then Ramananda Roy came and he said that when I asked for leave from my service from Prataparudra Maharaj, he not only granted me a complete leave, but he also gave me full pay pension and he said i'm i've not seen such a, a great devotee and now when mahaprabhu heard that he's hearing from his intimate devotee sarvabhoma and then ramananda roy mahaprabhu commented that what if if he's dear to you then he's dear to me 
And this started opening the door to Mahaprabhu's heart. And then what really opened his heart was when he saw Prachaparujra Maharaj rendering service. Now he swept the, the road in front of Jagannath's cart. He humbled himself. So this is the other way to become close to a Vaishnav or to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. In the case of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he's playing the part of a Vaishnav. And that is to render some menial service with your hands. You render something and you do something uh, to, to please the, the devotee or the Lord that's uh, practical. And then, of course, he was able to massage the Lord's feet and recite verses from the Bhagavatam that so much um, ingratiated him to, to the Lord that the Lord embraced him and said, you've given me so much by this. So the, the Chaitanya Charamita is showing how the principles of the Bhagavatam are carried out in devotional life. And this is what actually keeps us away from Maya. When we have intimate relationships with devotees, with the Guru, and with serving the deities, and we're feeling that, that's the only uh, fortification from Maya. Because Maya comes before us and says, no, be intimate with me. You know, people advertise like this. You know, you can have an intimate relationship with Maya, but Maya is not very uh, accommodating. Once you, you try to have intimate relationship with Maya, then you find there's many problems and, and the, you'll become uh, devoured by that. So devotional service really means more and more developing this subtle and intimate relationship it doesn't have to be subtle. It can be exhi exhibited through external cultivation of service, but it becomes um, a deeper and more pronounced. Vaikuntha Nayaka, Hare Krishna. Great to see you. Maharaj, can I ask one question? It's uh, on the theme of... We insist upon it. Thank you, Maharaj. Uh, Maharaj, we know that actually uh, Srila Prabhupada um, was most strict and he was toughest on his, uh, uh, what we can say, the most intimate uh, of his disciples, the inner circle, right? So one part of my brain says, oh, okay, can I even take this kind of chastisement? And it says, well, okay, maybe it is better to be a bit far and uh, go easy rather than go close even though i know that that chastisement is mercy right but one part of my brain says uh, will i really be able to take it or uh, should i really aspire for that i don't know if i articulated my question correctly but yes you, sh you should aspire for it and you shouldn't worry because if one's intentions are correct and one's really trying to do service then whatever kind of anomalies or missteps are there in the service that one gets corrected for then um, the rectification will be close at hand because really rectification has to do with one's own attitude and if i'm doing something for the wrong motive and i get chastised then, it, of course, we can adjust our motive. And that's often why uh, we're chastised, because the intention was wrong or the motive was wrong. But um, 
it, it, it is purifying. It is something you'll notice that uh, advanced devotees hanker for because if you're not getting chastised at all or corrected, it means you're not doing anything practically. <laughs> I mean, there's no way to, to do service without making some mistakes. And we should be on the lookout for ways to get good instructions so we can do it better. So the, the answer is really, you know, we, we do service to perfect it and to make it more pleasing. And if we're, if we're not immune to chastisement, then we can more quickly advance. Just like even in, in normal norming, a storming, norming, performing, and so forth, you know, getting into a, a project, you know, on the corporate level or something like that, if you think you're infallible and you can't make any mistakes, then it'd be very difficult to improve. But if you're always looking like, how can I do this better? And if, if even an underling comes to you and says, you know, this, this isn't working right. You can say, oh, get out of here. What do you know? Or you can be enlightened and say, you know, I'm, I'm hearing some important information. So, if you're progressive in any uh, field of life, you're, you're open for feedback because you want to get better. So if you keep that as the goal, chastisement is actually nectar because you go, okay, now I know how to, how to do it better next time. So go for it. We have from um, Namazya says, amazing about devotional service, it makes it very clear. I don't want to do any offenses, and these are really good teachings to guide to the right path. Good. Another reflection from Radhavenkat. Queen Kunti also talks about appreciating others' devotional service. Yes, she says, Srinvanti Gayanti Grananti Sarava at 1836. Grananti means to accept or appreciate. O Krishna, those who continuously hear, chant, or repeat your transcendental activities or take pleasure in others doing so. Certainly see your lotus feet, which alone can stop the repetition of birth and death. So you can appreciate your way back to Godhead just by appreciating the devotees. And I've noticed that it's a discipline to overcome envy by glorifying the devotees. So if your mind tells you, okay, that person did something nice, but just get out a little a pen and scratch that butt out and put an and and add to their glories. Try to glorify the devotees. And you'll notice that if you practice that discipline, that you'll advance in devotional service. Not only that, you'll, you'll elevate the conversation wherever you go because there's a tendency but through the principle of envy that whatever someone does, no matter how great, I want to bring something in that shows that it wasn't that great. So don't do that. Just don't do it. Do the other thing instead and see how it, see how different it is. Sri Antariksha Prabhu says, with reference to the pastime of Pundarik Vijaniti and the Sevatas of the Puri Temple, can we say that the Lord was more intimate with Pundarik Vijaniti than the servants of the temple? Well, they're both intimate in, in their own ways. I mean the servitors of the temple, the Lord declared himself, they're very dear to me. So if they offer me this starched cloth, uh, 
I appreciate it because they're my servitors. There's something simple about that that he loved. Even the um, even uh, Nilamadava was worshipped by the Shabaras in the forest, and he appreciated their simplicity. So there's a kind of inti intimacy there. But there's no doubt Pundarik Vijaniti is the topmost advanced devotee. Even Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, before he appeared there in Puri, was calling out for him, missing him. And it was revealed the advanced nature of Pundarik Vijaniti when um, Mukunda told Gadadhar Pandit that I, I know of the most intimate devotee. Would you like to meet him? And Gadadhar, simple, pure devotee, said, yes, I would like to meet him. So Mukunda took him to Pundarik Vijaniti's house beautiful house fully ornamented and full of servants he came up to the room of Pundarik Vidyaniti who was reclined on an opulent bedstead he had hair oiled with the finest scented uh, perfumes he had golden ornaments everywhere his room was anointed with vases of the highest quality filled with flowers. A servant was fanning him. He was relaxed mood and immediately to Gadadhar Pandit, he looked like a worldly enjoyer. And Gadadhar Pandit thought in his mind, this is an advanced Vaishnava. Understanding his mind, Mukunda then, to evoke the mood of Pundarik Vijaniti, which is just below the surface of all this op opulence, recited a verse from the Bhagavatam, Aho bhakiyam stanakalakutam jighamsayapayat apyasadvi, which is saying, Oh my Lord, who would take shelter of anybody else but you? Because you saved Putana, and she came to kill you. And this is a similar, this is a verse also that was recited by the disciples of Vyasadeva to attract the mind of Shukadeva Goswami in the forest and bring him back to hear the Bhagavatam. When Pundarik Vidyanini heard this, his ecstatic love for Krishna, which is there boiling in his heart, came to the surface and he went into a mad ecstasy through which he was thrashing and nobody could hold him down. For three hours he thrashed. He broke every piece of pottery in the room the bedstead was in tangles. His hair went haywire. And all the jewels, bangles flew off and they tried to hold him down, but they couldn't. Finally, he went into a kind of trance for hours where he didn't move. Then, Gadadhar Pandit thought, I made an offense in my mind to this great Vaishnav. He said, I desire to take initiation from him. So on the way home, he told Mukunda, I made an offense. Also, I want to take initiation from this great Vaishnava. And when they met Mahaprabhu, Mukunda told the news that Gadadhar Pandit wanted to take initiation from Pundarik Vijaniti, and Mahaprabhu said, yes, do it immediately. This should happen right away. So he did. And uh, externally, one may not see, but the devotees, like Mukunda and others, know what's in the heart of the Vaishnava. Okay, we have 
um, Ramakrishna Prabhu says, I realize that Advanced Devotees Association is everything in bhakti, how to chant, how to serve, how to understand and apply life. Yes, sadhu sangha, sadhu sangha, sarva shastra koi, lava matra sadhu sangha, sarva siddhi hoy. Perfection comes from association with the, with the Vaishnavas and faith in the Vaishnavas. We have a Sringara Ras says, what exactly happens when we serve our spiritual master? How does the process work? Well, there's a way in which, of course, you know, service means practical service. And there's a transcendental relationship with, with the spiritual master who's a representative of uh, Sri Hari Krishna. This is in the Guruvashtakam. It's mentioned how Sakshad Dari Tvinastamasta Shastra Ruktastata Bhavyata Eva Sadbi Kintu Praborya Eva Priyatasya Vande Guroshi Charanadavindam. The spiritual master is very dear to Krishna because he's a representative. So if one serves the Guru, as we heard in the first chapter of the Chaitanya Charitamrita, and then Krishna accepts that service through the agency of the Guru. And so service means understanding what are the desires of the Guru to uh, spread Krishna consciousness. As also as mentioned in Shastra that the disciples should uh, serve the uh, spiritual master, uh, you know, bring things that are important to take care of the, the body of the, of the guru. Um, so all these kinds of things are, are practical, meaning there's something that you can do. And how does it work? Uh, it works through agency. As I mentioned before, uh, Krishna is desirous of serving his own devotees, but devotees will never accept service from Krishna. As Krishna says in the Gita, ninth chapter, Ananyas chintayantomam yejana paripasate tesham nityabhyuktanam yogakshemam bahamyaham. Bahami means that, if, well, the verse means that if somebody is fully engaged in serving Krishna with no other consideration, then Krishna personally carries to that devotee what he lacks. Vahami means by, by his own hand. It's not that he does it through the material nature or anything else. He's personally bringing uh, to the devotee. The devotee, of course, uh, only wants to serve Krishna, doesn't want to accept anything from Krishna. And therefore, if we uh, take up service, to an advanced Vaishnav, we're fulfilling Krishna's desire to serve that Vaishnav, and we become dear to Krishna by serving a Vaishnav. And also, uh, if we're the servant of the servant of the servant of the the Vaishnavs, or through the chain, uh, uh, we're serving those who are serving others who are serving others. It's also considered to be direct service, miraculously. In fact, uh, the more one considers oneself the servant of the servant of the servant of the servant, um, uh, Prabhupada writes, a million times removed. He said, this is real liberation, and this is the real connection, paradoxically. So you can become the servant of the servant, or the servant of the servant of the servant of the servant. I can keep going here. 
but Prabhupada then just abbreviates it a million times removed and he said this is actual liberation and that's the mood of, of service. So there's no dearth of opportunity to serve a devotee and if one uh, does that practically then Krishna will be pleased and by serving the Krishna directly Krishna is not so pleased. He says in the Adi Purana that one who says he's my devotee is not my devotee. But one who says he's the devotee of my devotee, that's my devotee. So become the dog of a Vaishnav. This is one of the main principles. Because it's not what you know that counts. It's who you know. And if you're with the Vaishnav and you just say, I'm with this Vaishnav, that's what I do. That's what my whole program is. I'm connected one way or another to a Vaishnav. Then you're, connect, you're connected to Krishna in a way that he's, he becomes uh, uh, pleased and it's considered intimate service by being a servant of the servant. Okay. Um, Gumash? Yes. I was just thinking when you were saying that, how it's not who you know, not what you know, but who you know. In Bhakti Siddhanta Vaibhav, when it's related about how Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati met his spiritual master, he says that everyone respected me for all my material qualifications, but Gaur Kishordas Babaji considered them all valueless. And so he said that this person must possess a great treasure if he doesn't see any of the things that other people have appreciated me for to be of any value. Then he surrendered to him. Yeah, that's that's palpable when you meet someone who has no worldly interest there's a potency that comes from that person the moment that I have a connection to the material world that I want something then the potency is obscured and so we find with pure devotees they have this immediately noticeable potency because of their full dedication to Krishna without the consideration of anything. Um, any They have no material desires, no, I should say, vested interest in the material world. As soon as there's a vested interest, there's a weakness. There's something that can be exploited. Just like if a president of a country has a vested interest in another country, that person becomes vulnerable because he can be exploited as he wants something out of the other country. And therefore, uh, it is considered taboo. If you're a leader of a country, then to have some uh, investment in another country, because then, of course, when you're putting sanctions or you're doing negotiations with that other country, you're going to think, yeah, but I got my, um, my thing over there, so I don't want it disturbed. Therefore, just in regular dealings this is considered to be uh, it, it is called um, a conflict of interests so in the material if we have a conflict of interests I'm serving Krishna but I want something for myself from the material world this obscures our potency so the more that w when we come in contact with those who have no conflict of interest they're extremely powerful and their association is uh, noticeably potent. Okay, um, then we have Sri Madhava Mahotsava. Did I read this one? 
with regards to intimacy with Maya, I was reminded of Srila Prabhupada's statement in the Bhagavad Gita intro, actually, we are all swallowed by the tigress of nations. <laughs> May I always remember this and always be careful in my practice. Yeah, it's not a pretty sight when a tiger uh, decides to take a, a hunk out of you. They were two very famous um, performers in Las Vegas, Siegfried and Freud. I think they were Germans or Russians, and they had these uh, beautiful white tigers. And for years, at one of the big hotels in Las Vegas, they used to do their show where they'd bring these tigers out and they'd play around with them. And I have no idea what they did exactly because I never saw it. But um, after many, many years, one of the tigers turned on one of them and uh, just attacked him right on stage. And this is what will happen when you get intimate with Maya. You'll think, oh, yeah, I got this tiger under control. And then one day, when you're least expecting it, tiger will turn and uh, try to bite your head off. He incidentally uh, just recently died of the COVID disease, which is the second thing that will happen <laughs> because of Maya. So uh, Maya uh, uh, seems, offers some kind of idea that you can be intimate with me. But it's um, the kind of intimacy that a praying mantis offers in, in a conjugal relationship with the other, uh, with the counterpart. The female bites off the head of the male uh, during intercourse. And this is during our connection with the material nature when we think it's very nice, I'm very famous, I'm wealthy, everything like that. But eventually Krishna says, Mrityu Sarva Harashtraham, I'll come in as death, I'll bite your head off. Uh, and th there you go, start over again. It's not very nice. It's, it's actually um, unseemly for the living entity to come in contact with material nature and say, yeah, this is who I'm with now. Just like the Bhagavatam says, a low-class couple, a uh, boy and girl come together and then they think they're the center of the universe because they're so much in love. And other people are looking at them and thinking like, uh, you know, give us a break, you know. So advanced devotees, when they see people invested in the material nature and thinking, oh, I'm so intimate with the material nature. This is so nice. I'm, I'm cool. The devotees are feeling sorry for them and thinking, oh, poor, poor Jiva. You know, come back to your senses. Wake up. Uh, this is, you're making a fool of yourself. Uh, <laughs> get back to real intimacy with Krishna and start by chanting Hare Krishna. And, uh, and, you know, uh, reverse your course of, of investing in the material world. It's not working. Then we have uh, Danavari says, um, uh, let's see, how do we get in the mood of remembering that whatever we are doing is to please Krishna? I forget that even during my, forget that even during my service, example, chanting or offering, I'm thinking if I chant my heart, I will get purified and will go back to God and not thinking about pleasing Krishna. Uh, thinking about going back to Godhead is not, um, exclu is not independent of pleasing Krishna. Krishna wants us to go back to Godhead. And Prabhupada writes that in the first canto, second chapter, 17th verse. He said he wants us to come back to Godhead more than we can desire. Uh, we're, we are eternally his servants and he wants us in his inner circle. And that inner circle is 
means going back to Godhead. So if you desire to go back to Godhead, it's not that you're not thinking in a favorable way towards Krishna. So you can think like that. In fact, you should think, let me uh, go back to Godhead. Otherwise, why does Krishna advertise it? In the Bhagavad Gita, he says, Parastas matu bhavo nyo vyakto vyaktat sanatana he said, this material world you're living in, is it, it's, it's rocking, it's on fire, it's moving, it's being destroyed and created again. But there's a better place. Come to that better place. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's part of our whole practice is going to Krishna. Go back home, back to Godhead. That's the magazine. So going back to Godhead is, is our goal. You should think like that. Otherwise, how you get out of the atmosphere of the material world if you don't have somewhere really compelling that you want to go. Okay, so then um, we have Sringaras says, um, how do we know if, if we are doing right? Are there any signs that we can look for that, was, that would tell us if we're doing it in the right consciousness? Well, you can always ask about um, your particular uh, motives and desires uh, to uh, your guru or to your uh, advanced mentors and discuss it with them. This is the way I'm doing it. This is the way I'm thinking. And if you're checking in, then you'll have some indication. You can also read about the mood of the great devotees by reading the Shastra. You can also read Bhagavad Gita and see what Krishna says about how to act. For instance, in the Gita, you know, you can pretty much find out everything you need to know in the Bhagavad Gita. The only problem is people don't read the Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> they move on to all kinds of other books uh, and, and try to um, beat the system. The system is Bhagavad Gita. That's the base of everything. In this 12th chapter of the Gita, Krishna tells what the right mood of the devotee is. And he starts off by saying, one who is not envious, this is 1213, one who is not envious but is a kind friend to all living entities. So you can ask yourself, am I envious? Or am I a kind friend to all living entities? Can you notice that? Uh, then, next thing he says, the person who does not think himself a proprietor and is free from false ego. Do you have to own everything? Do you have to be in the center of everything? Who is equal in both happiness and distress. Check yourself on that one. Can you remain equipoised in happiness and distress? Good things come, bad things come. If you go get your chart done, you know what the astrologers are going to tell you? I'm going to save you some money here. Astrologers are going to tell you there's some good in your life and there's some bad in your life and it's going to be mixed. That's the summary of every chart you're ever going to hear from an astrologer. So if you're able to remain equal in the ups and the downs, this is the proper mentality. And then he says, the person who is tolerant. Are you tolerant? If you live with a roommate, a spouse, uh, anybody else, can you tolerate the way they eat? Can you tolerate uh, the kinds of things they tell you? And check yourself and see, are you tolerant? Are you always satisfied? 
then you have are you always satisfied are you self-controlled that you can test yourself on especially during lockdown because you got to live with yourself right for the most part everybody you get to stay alone in a room take a look at yourself and, and see are you are you controlled and are you self-satisfied take a look and see are you engaged in devotional service with determination are your mind and intelligence fixed on Krishna? Just these two verses. Then you, as Krishna says, he ends with saying, Yo mad pakta same priya. Such a devotee, what's the such who has these qualities? Is very dear to me. So read that and then compare it to the way uh, you are in your life and see where do I need to develop? This, Krishna says, is the imperishable path of devotional service. Imperishable path of devotional service means to please Krishna by taking on these qualities or practicing them and developing them by chanting Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna, Hare Rama, or Hare Rama, Hare Krishna. And then we have Mayank who says, it's not what you know, but who you know. Yes, Gopi Puranapana used to Prabhu used to say that. Not that we shouldn't know anything, but it's more important who you know, because if you know the right people, then, especially in the context of devotional service, you'll become dear to Krishna. I'm with I'm with him. I'm just I'm following that's that's my program. Then you're in. Okay, then a reflection from Aniruddha Nitai Chand, Prabhu. Maya is very powerful. It's, it is difficult to identify Maya's trap by one's own endeavor. Sadhu Sangan. Yes. Maya um, sneaks in a tiny bit uh, and doesn't come with a huge sign saying, Hi, my name is Maya. I'm here to take away all your uh, practice of devotional service. But Prabhupada said, like a silver-tongued salesperson comes to your door. Little advice, just don't open the door. Because as soon as you do, he or she's going to talk you into it. And you're going to buy an extra vacuum cleaner. You already have one. And your spouse will come home and you said, you did what? And it's like, yeah, but she was so nice. And you know, <laughs> she said, we really needed one. The old one doesn't work. And then so Maya comes in. If we open the door a little bit and then we come lax in our devotional service, and we just think, well, maybe 15 and a half rounds is okay. And then the next thing, it's 12.2 rounds. And then next thing, it's like, well, you know, I can chant every other day. And then uh, you wake up 20 years later and your friend said, what happened to you? You can't even remember the Panchatapa Mantra. And Maya will come in little increments. So everything counts in devotional service. Better to stay on top of the uh, practice of devotional service, even if you do it in a simple way, better to stay constant and steady and assume that you're not liberated and assume that Maya is trying to attack you for, through every little hole that you leave in your life. And if you do that, that's the sign of somebody who's um, less apt to be overcome by Maya. And Chitra Lekasaki Haribo, she says, please, what is the difference between desires for liberation, getting free from material miseries, 
and the desire to go back home, back to Godhead. The desire, uh, the difference between desire for liberation, liberation is a very um, selfish desire. In fact, it's considered the ultimate material desire because after I didn't get my desires fulfilled in the material world, which means that I wasn't the full center of attention and the controller of everything. I realized I can't do that. Then I think through a spiritual path, I'm going to become God. This is the idea behind the liberation that I'll merge into God and I'll become God. So through this process of jnana prayas, I'm thinking that um, I, I am God, I just forgot. So that's the last resort of Maya. And this idea is um, uh, uh, the, the opposite of that is realizing that uh, Krishna is my boss, I'm his servant. And that's the difference between the desire for liberation and um, and devotional service. So your question is, what is the difference between desire for liberation and getting free from material miseries and the desire to go back to Godhead? Well, the desire to go back to Godhead, first of all, is more a realization. Siri thought I was asking her something, but I'm not. It must have been embedded in the sentence. And it's a similar, when you, when you say something like Ramada in, the Ramada thinks you're uh, advertising for, the, or or uh, Krishna hears Rama within that and considers it. So Siri is very generous like that. So getting free from material desires and the desire to go back to Godhead means understanding my relationship with Krishna and that um, if I'm engaged in sincere practice of devotional service. There's a way in which whether I'm here in this body or I've attained my spiritual body in relationship to Krishna in the spiritual world, I'm, 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 I'm the same because I know that uh, when I leave this body, I'm going to continue my devotional service. And whatever situation Krishna puts me in, I'll be fully satisfied. In other words, if I'm practicing devotional service, I should get a sense that I feel satisfied in whatever condition I'm in now. And even if I'm not completely satisfied, I have the, the presence of mind to, to um, tolerate it, knowing that... Um, as, as Brahma says, that whatever is happening to me externally is for my purification, and Krishna knows what he's doing. He's going to uh, assign me a, another situation so I can go on serving him. And the point is, if that's my main prerogative, that I want to go on serving him somehow or other with as much facility as possible, then we'll be able to tolerate. In the beginning, this tolerance is, is um, advocated, for instance, in the 14th chapter of the Gita, and verses 22 through 25, in the purport, Prabhupada writes, um, Arjuna submitted three different questions and the Lord answers them one after another. In these verses, Krishna first indicates that a person transcendentally situated has no enemy 
and does not hanker for anything. When a living entity stays in this material world, embodied by the material body, it is to be understood that he is under the control of one of the three modes of material nature. When he is actually out of the body, then he is, he is out of the clutches of the modes of material nature. But as long as he is not out of the material body, he should be neutral. He should engage himself in the devotional service of the Lord so that his identity with the material body will be automatically forgotten. And then he goes on to say, uh, he, how, how does the devotee become aloof? He does not desire to enjoy the body, nor does he desire to get out of it. This is neutrality. So it's an understanding that Krishna is taking care of everything. And the desire to go back to Godhead really should be one with the desire to be always engaged in Krishna's service, not to become necessarily free from material miseries because we understand that we stay neutral in the midst of material desires. Apuryamanam achala pratishtam. We don't consider them. We just see that they're a product in the modes of material nature. Go ahead, Sukeshri. I thought you were going to say something. And finally, Madhava Govinda gives this reflection. By being intimate with the devotee, by being their servant, one can become intimate to Krishna. Do you have a verse that you'd like to back that up with, Madhava Govinda Prabhu, since you're a scholar of the Shastras? Gopir Gopir Padukamlor Dasanuta. I mean uh, the one that uh, comes in Chetana Chiratamata. Chetana Mahapu Gopir Padukamlor Das Dasanudas. I mean, I guess I don't know if it helps. Naham vipro nacha narapatir napi vaisho nushudro, naham varni nacha grepatir no manasto yatirva, kintu prodyan nikila paramananda purnamratabdir, gopi bartu parakamalior, das 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 anudas. Can you explain that? Uh, that verse means that uh, I'm actually not, uh, I'm, not, I'm none of the other designations of being a, a Brahmana or a or anything else, but I am just, uh, my real identity is that only I am just a servant of the servant of the devotees. Yes. This is one of the verses that we recite before doing uh, puja, before doing deity worship. It's part of the self-purification of the elements of the body, including the mind and the, and the intelligence, just to remember who we are and what we're doing things for. And finally, we have uh, my grandfather's name is Maya. She is, my granddaughter's name is Maya. She is eight years old and gets upset when she hears her name is bad. How can we help her feel better about her name? Oh, well, Maya is, there are many different meanings for Maya, but we can understand that um, Maya is a, a great servitor of the Lord and of Lord Krishna and Lord Chaitanya. There are many famous um, interactions of Maya Devi herself, 
who became a disciple of Haridat's Takor and so forth. So Maya is only bad for those who are full of material desires, but it's a glorious name. Prabhupada uh, used all kinds of names to um, uh, for his devotees, for his disciples and so forth, and some of them included the name Maya. Okay, so someone tell us what we got out of today. Three main points that were taken away. Initiation is not an event, it's a process. Yes. Thank you. Becoming intimate by what they intimate. That word was very, very interesting. That intimate word. Yes. What is the intimating? Yes. The word. We should always consider ourselves not to be liberated. That's correct. Don't think I'm liberated and therefore I can take liberties to do whatever I want. And if that's the sign of a really strong devotee and Prabhupada talks about this a lot and comments on the points that Srila Vishnu Chakravi Thakur makes in the first chapter of the 10th canto that um, uh, Devaki was always afraid of Kamsa and because uh, of that she became purified and Prabhupada mentions there that devotees should similarly always be afraid of the material energy and just as Devaki was saved from the uh, influence of Kama, Kroda, Loba, uh, Mara, Moha, and Matsarya, who were represented by the Shadgarbha Asuras. So similarly, uh, when we become afraid of Maya and we consider we're not liberated, then we, we can become captain. Thank you. A couple more? Hansa Priya. I really like the point Hi. that you said that you, first of all, thank you for just uh, you know, glorifying the word is one after another points making. That's so wonderful to wake up with. And I just felt that it's so much uh, beautiful for us to remember that devotees are happy, they're truly happy when they see other devotees doing nice services. And I just thought that that what actually inspires us, that what us motivates us, because somehow or other we are here today because someone's services and glorifying their services has brought us where we are today. Nice point, Hansapriya. It's very practical too in our community. You know, I noticed at one awards ceremony where the kids were getting awards, that the kids were genuinely cheering for the other kids who got awards. And I, I, I was thinking, and Nirkula and I discussed it uh, uh, on the way home and since then many other times, that this is really a good sign. Because, you know, you can develop a kind of competition in a, in a community where you're thinking like, why, why that person's getting this? How come they're getting glorified and not me? I did more than he or she did or whatever. But if there's this sense of uh, appreciation for the service of others and when they get recognized, then we, we become happy. That's a sign that you're advancing devotional service. And the opposite, if you feel that pinching, like, Why'd they notice him and not me? This is very uh, indicative of some kind of um, anarta that's there. You know, the competition's always there, but it's to please Krishna. And when we see somebody else gets recognized for it, then we become very happy. I just wanted that's to add something, Prabhu. Yeah. 
So I was just wondering that there was one time when you were just saying that I was, I was just, um, you know, trying to appreciate the kids actually really. Um, there was, there was a program and then about five to six kids actually got together and they had practiced and there were a couple of people who were going to do Murdanga and things like that. But at the, at the point where exactly the program was going to happen, another small little kid got his Murdanga and he wanted to, he wanted to do, and he had tears in his eyes. So these older kids, they made sure that he gets a chance. And even though they practiced all time, they just, and I, I didn't understand what was happening. I said, why, why is he doing it? Because he wasn't even there for the practice. He's like, no, it's okay. He, he's small. He doesn't understand. And he thinks that he needs to do it. I just felt that I think that maturity, I don't know if I had that age. <laughs> I felt that the kids are far mature. Oh God, that's so nice. You know, that's what makes a community sweet. It's the, it's this subtlety where there's actually a love an appreciate. It starts with appreciation and there's a love for others that let them shine. And when that everybody's doing that, then there's no um, friction. There's nothing to hold us back in increasing our service to Lord Chaitanya. Even one American president said that there's, there's no limit to how much you can get done when you don't care who gets the credit. But as soon as you want, uh, you know, I have a vested interest. It has to be me that, that uh, is shown on this. Then um, subtly you hold back and you don't want to empower somebody else because you're thinking like, yeah, but they're going to get the credit for this. Don't worry about the credit. Christian knows who's, who's doing what, and it always comes out. And Radnath Marsh once told me about, he said, there's a subtle law of karma in this. He said, if you accept a praise that you're not qualified for, then later on you'll get blame that you didn't, <laughs> didn't deserve. <laughs> karma is so subtle. And then we have uh, Srivatsa said that I was reflecting on the Nayam Sukapo Bhagavan verse. Then you're uh, really getting intimate with Shastra if you're contemplating, reflecting on Nayam Sukapo Bhagavan because this is a very uh, pivotal um, and Raganuga verse, a Rasika verse, as well as the value of devotional service. And I was reminded of a verse. Bhagavad Bhaktihinasya Jati Shastra Japatapa Apramasyaiva Dehasya Mananam Ranjanam. It has a nice alliteration in there. High birth Shastric knowledge, chanting of Vedic mantras and austerities are like decorating a dead body for public appraisal without devotion to Krishna. Well done, sir. Very good, Srivatsa. This is nice to bring out these verses that complement one another. And then Ramrati says, uh, mercy is obscured if we have vested interest. And a good example of this is when the demigods were watching the fight between the Shringadev and Hiranyakashipu. And when they saw Hiranyakashipu get out of the clutch of Nishringadev, they became extremely afraid because they thought that now he saw that we were rooting for the, for the wrong side and he's going to punish us even more. And Prahlad had no fear because he didn't care. He was uh, obviously he cared, but the point is he wasn't. He didn't have a vested interest in getting something out of the material world like the demigods did. So he mentions later that he is fearless. He wasn't afraid of Nishringadev, and he was also um, <clears throat> as he mentions, um, I'm not afraid of the material existence. Uh, because I, I always have devotional service. Those who have a vested interest in the material world 
are afraid because they can lose something. Shredder Davy Dossi says, my granddaughter's middle name is also Maya. And in that context, the word Maya or Atma Maya refers to the Lord's causeless mercy. According to the Vishvakosh dictionary, Bhagavad Gita purport force dot six Bhagavad Gita. There you have it. You can take that one to the bank. Thank you, Shraddha. AK says, uh, but Devaki being a eternal associate isn't already totally purified of anartas. These are not anartas. These are part of the Leela of, uh, of Krishna and they're showing through the lessons of uh, their own activities, how we can become purified. Anonymous, you mentioned to let others shine, but how can we remain humble if the other person is always craving the credit and they are not always in the right mood? How can we, you mentioned to let others shine, but how can we remain humble if the other person is always craving? You don't have to wait for other people to adjust themselves to be for you to be humble. And if you wait for everybody else, to, as soon as they adjust their life, then I'll, be, I'll develop this quality. Then you'll never, you don't have any control over it. Humility means that uh, you're a servant of Krishna and you depend on him for everything. So uh, how can we remain humble? It's to remember that uh, Krishna will rectify the situation. Of course, if it's in a situation communally where somebody needs some help, you can go to a higher uh, authority in the community somewhere and say this person's really disturbing the Sangha because of his or her mentality or activity and then you can work it out that way and that's still remaining humble as well. And Kamala said, uh, please Sri Krishna by serving as intimate devotees. Thank you very much. So that brings us to the end of our um, discussions on Krishna's pastimes and uh, the Chaitanya Charitamrita. And now, Thank you, devotees, for coming and staying for hours and hours and hours and uh, chanting the holy names and listening to Krishna Kata. Can everyone please unmute and say Hare Krishna? Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Say Hare Rama. Rama. Say Hare Rama, Hare Krishna. Hari Rama, Hari Krishna. Hari Rama. We are the Hari Rama, Hari Krishna people. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. Hari Krishna, Hari Krishna. 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 Hari Krishna.